All right, everybody, take your seats. Tonight's a very special episode. We are dedicating it to educators and to literature, and we'll get more into that in a sec. Welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. Please take your seats. The show is about to begin in just a moment or so. So enjoy this lilting intro and, well, make sure you're all tucked in there and no one's going to trip coming down the aisle. Did you say lilting? Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> lilt away, lilt away. Lilt. Oh. <laughs> well, good evening, Mr. Smelly. Can you believe it's October? Uh, not really. No, I can't. <laughs> Time has ceased to have any meaning for me. I don't oh, know. well, you know, uh, the good thing about that uh, Halloween candy is it, it it has a really long shelf life. I think I saw Gertie dusting off the tote as she was bringing it up above the snack bar there. No, you know, seriously, who would know if candy corn was six months old or five years old there's no way to tell <laughs> i know uh you know just uh, i think it was last year we uh we shared a bag of the uh more of the trick than the treat with you there that uh that candy corn that came out with thanksgiving flavors yeah i remember and to be honest with you uh, i guess i'm in the minority but i really like candy corn mm-hmm and I think I may have liked those Thanksgiving flavored candy corns even more. Oh, well, you know, I didn't mind a few of them. Um, some of them were pretty interesting, like the the carrot one. It was like a, a ginger glazed carrot. And then the cranberry sauce <laughs> one. Those were kind of normal flavors. But OK, <laughs> if you say there was a ginger glazed carrot <laughs> uh, in there, then I guess I'll have to believe you. <laughs> I do not believe remember that well, one. E- easily the most wretched one was the green bean one which tasted like rancid flintstones chewables to me <laughs> oh god. that's but, horrible you know, oh god but you know they came out with a new variety of it this year it's called tailgate because it's supposed no. to, yes it's supposed to celebrate the spirit of sporting events where, you know, you do a little cookout out of the back of your vehicle and you do hot dogs and hamburgers. And yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I do not want a candy corn flavored like a hot dog. <laughs> no. Well, and then they had some sort of normal flavors in there. Like there was a fruit punch one and I think like a sherbet one. Those were completely fine. But I'm right there with you on the hot dog one. No, yeah. no, no. I, I think... I think I'd rather lick the floor of a of a public bus. Woo, <laughs> <laughs> that's saying a lot right there. Oh, uh, well, speaking of public buses and, and licking things inappropriately, um, our senior showgirl was pretty excited about tonight's film because it's full of leading ladies. Are are you in the house, my damn Gertie? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Tonight's a chick flick. I'm really excited. Oh, now were you and your gal pals all lined up to see this when it came out? Yeah, yeah, I kind of remember. Um, we were really um high, <laughs> but I I mostly resemble I mostly remember it. I also mostly resemble it. Anyways, 
Check, check her pockets for those Sharpies, yeah. Toppy. Okay. <laughs> well, if she'll get uh, down to the stage there, we'll get things underway. Okay, I'm going. Going, going. There she goes. Yeah, baby. <laughs> there we go. Is a graduate student and bride-to-be who's finding it difficult to concentrate on her writing while her fiancé remodels their home. Seeking quiet, she finds herself amidst her grandmother's quilting bee and is inspired by their stories. Each of love lost and missed opportunities. Will Finn finish her thesis before the big day? Is she doing the right thing marrying this man? Put on a kettle and grab a thimble and your reading glasses. And I don't know, maybe pass around a doobie. It's time for How to Make an American Quilt. Starring Winona Ryder and Ellen Burstyn. Take it away, fellas. What do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Hey, Toppy, I'm going to tie in the trivia right away. What does the leading lady in tonight's film have to do with this season's opening theme? <laughs> this season's opening? Oh, uh, uh, Stranger Things. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, baby, I got it. So for those of you who maybe have been falling asleep in class, because we are talking about educators for a little bit tonight. Each season, we take a little bit of a twist with our opening theme, and we uh, put a different film and TV show and series in that uh, opening background there. So yes, tonight's leading lady, Miss Winona Ryder, is part of Stranger Things, the uh, yes. theme here at the end of the lesson. And by the way, DJ, I want to give you credit because you create that opening every year. And also just to remind people... Uh, DJ writes Gertie's script there for the intros, and I think he does a great job every time. So thanks, DJ. Oh, thank you. Now, speaking of writing, as I said in the very beginning, tonight's a very special show. We're dedicating it to educators and to literature. And uh, more importantly, I just wanted to go ahead and mention that uh, I was inspired to dedicate the show tonight because... um, I, it came to my attention recently that a favorite high school teacher had passed away. My English teacher, Miss Carla Butler, uh, who actually grew up in the the day of um, Woodstock, if you believe it. Uh, yeah. I, I was very fortunate that uh, several of my school teachers growing up are people who had uh, lived through interesting times and had been places. I had several teachers who had actually even been in the Peace Corps and had traveled overseas as part of it. But Miss Carla Butler grew up uh, during the period of Woodstock, and she attended uh, a school that I had tried out for a little bit. Um, I sometimes call uh, 
my neck of the woods, the haystack. It's a part of New York State that's close to the border of Pennsylvania, south of the Finger Lakes, uh, where uh, I attended school was a place called, or at least for the first semester, <laughs> I wasn't a very good student, people. Uh, Uh-oh. Mansfield University. But we're dedicating this to Miss Carla Butler tonight because uh, in my senior year of school, we had uh, a week before finals. And uh, as people were able to do in those days, back in the in the 90s, uh, I brought a recorded copy of a movie off of television into class. And this had actually been a book before, so it had a dual purpose. Uh, in Miss Butler's class, we would now and then watch a movie that was based upon a well-known book. So that was one of Miss Butler's ways of getting her uh, students engaged in literature was to see how this was adapted for the big screen and and what the differences were. Nice. Yes. So, um, but also to literature, of course, because uh, How to Make an American Quilt was based upon a novel by, uh, I believe the author's name is Whitney Otto, and uh, we'll talk about that more later. But, uh, Toppy, just to get things set up, what do we normally do? Well, before that, I just want to say something about some teachers I've had. Oh, certainly, yes, because this is open forum tonight. Even if you're in the chat room and want to share uh, a good memory of school, uh, just drop that in there and we'll try to read those for you. Toppy, uh, what what are some good memories you have of school days? Well, I've got to tell you, um, I went into school around the time when there were a lot of young people coming into teaching and they all had new alternative ideas and this sort of progressive kind of teacher and administrators came in and they said, wow, we should try new things. We should try different new things. And so Uh, My third year of elementary school, I went into uh, an alternative school. It was a public school, but they built this new building, and it was a school without walls. The school without walls. That meant that there were no closed-in classrooms. There was this little corner for that class, and then over here, there was a little... Uh, sort of partitioned off, but not really another class. Why we didn't all hear everybody else in the next class, I don't know. But I, anyways, it was considered new and advanced, and we were going, and we had no schedule, okay? And uh, we could run around and do anything, <laughs> and I did. And, uh, and then... You know, it was all considered, well, you're just being a creative little Mr. Man, aren't you? And in fact, I learned nothing. And third grade was a complete waste of time. <laughs> and uh, the district abandoned this open open wall schooled and said, let's go back to uh, uh, a more traditional ways because everybody flunked out that year. <laughs> I swear to God that happened. Anyways, I just want to say. Finally, and and quickly, my best teachers were all teachers that retired the year after 
I had them, which maybe means they all, I busted them all. I'm not sure. But what I think it really means is the teachers I most remember were the eldest teachers, the teachers that had been around forever. And damn, they were good. And uh, I'd sit here and recount their names if I could remember them. Um, but offhand, I can't. But I, I swear to Jesus, especially in in high school, I had three teachers, and that was their last year. Mrs. Weeks, I just remembered that. Doxine, I remembered the other one. Uh, they were teachers who retired the next year, and they were so good. They were so good. And I'm not sure. Uh, anyways, they were the best of their generation. So I'm really happy that I I had some really good teachers. The end. Mm. Well, just to add on that, uh, aside from my favorite English teacher, Miss Butler, uh, one of my favorite subjects in school was history. And that's because one of my favorite history teachers was um, Mr. Crane. And he had been in the Peace Corps and he was gifted at teaching geography. We used to get those pop quizzes where he'd hand out a map and you'd have a continent and uh, the borders for the countries, and you were supposed to label the names of the countries as they were at that time. So um, I always found that to be interesting, and it probably didn't hurt that Mr. Crane looked a little bit like Tom Selleck, but hey, and I'm the... <laughs> All right. That was, those were different days. All right. Well, uh, Marin Gertz just came in and says, sorry, guys, really count to 10 tonight. I don't know what that means. I think she's just saying she's going to bed early and have a good show. So I think she just stopped in to say hi. Thank you, Myron. Yes, thanks for top- stopping by. All right, Toppy. So what is one of the things that we do here to set things up? Well, we want to look at the year this movie was released. So let's, uh, DJ, let's go back in history and say what was going on in the year 1995. Okay. So, U.S. history in 1995. Oh, it's a long list here. And uh, we're going to start off with hacker Kevin Mitnick. He was arrested by the FBI and charged with breaking into the sum of the United States' most secure computer systems. And in Denver, Colorado, Stapleton Airport closed and was replaced by the new Denver International Airport. Ooh, some of the legends are that it could have been haunted or on sacred ground, and it's the largest airport in the United States when it opens in 95. Astronaut Norman Thagard becomes the first American to ride into space aboard a Russian launch vehicle. The U.S. Congress passes the Child Protection and Obscenity Enforcement Act. This requires producers of pornography to keep records of all models who are filmed or photographed, and that all models be at least 18 years of age. That would be nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in the United States. Uh, you know, you can't uh, yeah, speak for other countries. But anyways, Let's my- not speak of that. No. Microsoft released Windows 95 and 95. Why'd they call it that? G95. Okay. First ever full-length computer animated feature film. This is going to make everyone feel old. Toy Story was released by Pixar and Walt Disney in 1995. Good God. U.S. President Bill Clinton signed the National Highway System Designation Act in 95, 
which uh, ended the federal 55 mile per hour speed limit. So the states could decide how fast you drove in their states. I guess that's the best way. I mean, eh. I, hear, I don't know. I, 55 saves lives. That used to be the <laughs> the how they promoted that 55. 55 saves lives. You know, now here in some parts of the country, and I want to say it's Montana, um, they have a, a leisurely driving pace, kind of like, uh, what is it in Germany, the Autobahn? You drive as fast as you can, I think. <laughs> <laughs> leisurely. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. I got uh, just one. Just one count them. Mm. One celebrity voice. And uh, that's Ireland Baldwin. Uh, yes, you guessed it. Uh, it's one of them, their uh, Alec Baldwin uh, offsprings. <laughs> and uh, she's now actually Mrs. Justin Bieber. So there you go. Hmm, so she had the coloring book before he filled it in. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. Lordy McLord, Lord. There you go. Oh, J- uh, DJ said it. I didn't. Oh, so um, tonight's discussion is about a film. How to Make an American Quilt, and it was released in uh, October of 1995. Now, when I got to see it, of course, it had already come out the year before, because I caught it on, uh, well, basically cable. But uh, it came out ahead of the holiday season, which might explain why it wasn't uh, no smash success. But, uh, you know, uh, number one at the box office that year was Batman Forever, because, you know... They just keep making them. So, of course, it's forever. <laughs> Brought in $184 million, and in that time frame, it starred Val Kilmer, Chris Evans, and Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Number two in the box office in 95 was a favorite of mine with uh, Tom Hanks, Mr. Kevin Bacon, and um, oh, uh, Lieutenant Dan, Gary Shanice, Apollo 13. And, that was a good one. Yes, and in the aforementioned uh, first installment of the uh, Toy Story series, Toy Story, brought in $146 million, and uh, Tom Hanks was busy that year because he did the voice of one of the characters, uh, Woody, and, uh, well, Tim Allen, he, he was involved back then. So, how to make an American quilt? Um, well, because uh, it's, it's one of my favorite films, uh, yeah, usually those don't score very high, but that's, uh, you know, up to your interpretation there. Um, 74 is where it hit in the box office. Like I said, because it came out at the end of the year, so you don't really have a fair chance of making it for that year. Uh, but the movie that did one better than uh, How to Make an American Quilt, to, to put things into perspective, was a film with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe called Virtuosity. Yeah, a movie nobody remembers. (laughs) And another film that uh, did just slightly less than How to Make an American Quilt is another of my favorites, because it has Mr. Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, who's been in a movie uh, that we've discussed before, My Fellow Americans, but it also has the legendary Sophia Loren in Grumpier Old Men. Grumpier, because it's the sequel to the original of course, yeah. that's always Daryl Hannah in it. So, anyways, so Toppy, um, you know, just to get things back on track here before we move on to our uh, talk about the magician, because, you know, the marionette is a host of many splendid things, including magic acts, and the director of the film is considered a magician. 
let's go ahead and play the trailer for the film tonight so people know what it is we're talking about. Yes, indeed. I've decided to go away for the summer. This makes Sam nervous. He thinks I'm leaving because last night he proposed to me. So he'll come pick me up in September? Maybe. Maybe not. But how do we even know if we're only supposed to be with one person for the rest of our lives? For as long as I can remember, my grandmother and her friends have been part of a quilting bee. Is this something you're making for the state fair? It's your wedding quilt, honey. Why can't we love as many people as we want in a lifetime? What's your name? I mean, monogamy is really a very unnatural state. I brought these for you. Have you been talking to your fiancé about any of this? You're getting cold feet. I can see that same look your mother gets when she's going to dump one of her boyfriends. That look. I never liked fool. They give people an excuse to do foolish things. I'm young. I'm supposed to do foolish things. There comes a time in every life... I'm engaged to be married. So you just want a friendship thing? When planning for the future... That which is forbidden... means looking at the past. Young lovers seek perfection. Old lovers learn the art of sewing shreds together and of seeing beauty in a multiplicity of patches. Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment proudly present the story of a young woman whose eyes are about to be opened. Sometimes I wonder how exactly I got here. By the women who've seen it all. All right, let me ask you this. If you had to choose between marrying a lover or marrying a friend, who would you choose? Winona Ryder, Ellen Burstyn, Anne Bancroft, Alfred Woodard, and Kate Nelligan in a film by Jocelyn Morehouse, How to Make an American Quilt. My goodness, if that alone is not enough to get you interested, I don't know what could. (laughs) So Toppy, the director of the film, The Magician, uh, tell us about Miss Jocelyn Morehouse. I will. Uh, I just want to mention about the trailer is uh, for me, that's an example of a great trailer, a really good trailer. It's, it's uh, loaded with stuff, but nothing that reveals any plot twists or surprises or, uh, you know, spoilers and too many, way too many trailers these days do exactly that. So thumbs up for that trailer. By the way, you did hear right, Amblin Entertainment. The only reason this movie ever saw the light of day is that Steven Spielberg took an interest in it and helped fund it. So good on him. Uh, Let's talk about the director. And, um, oh, no. Oh, oh, I lost my notes for a minute. But they're back. Uh, We're talking about Jocelyn Morehouse. And uh, she's Australian, don't you know? And she attended the Australian Film, Television, and Radio School uh, in 1980. And in 1983, while attending, uh, she completed 
her first short film, and it was called Pavane. And I tried like hell to find out what it was about, and I couldn't. So I don't know. But uh, she then graduated from the university in 84 and started work right away as a television script editor. But she made her feature film debut in 91, writing and directing a movie called Proof. Uh, the story of which concerns the tribulations of a man named Martin, who is a blind photographer, a very sensitively told movie that starred Hugo Weaving, Genevieve Picot, and Russell Crowe. Now, this movie earned her a lot of critical acclaim. In Australia alone, it won six Australian Film Institute Awards, including Best Screenplay and Best Director. Hey, how can you do better since she wrote and directed it? Proof also won multiple prizes at various international film festivals and the coveted Sutherland Trophy at the British Film Institute Awards. So uh, talk about starting with a bang. She immediately followed up that success by making what became her first Hollywood blockbuster. And that's our movie tonight, How to Make an American Quilt. Most recently, Morehouse directed Tropo, an eight-part television crime drama series set in North Queensland for ABC television, which debuted in February of this year, 2022. And I've not seen it, don't know a thing about it. Now, the movie How to Make an American Quilt uh, is based on a novel by Whitney Otto. And just a few words about Whitney Otto. Uh, she was born and raised in California, and uh, she attended the University uh, of, the, of San, Diego, San Diego and the University of California. And... Uh, um, she it was her first novel and uh it was a bestseller boom bang immediate success and uh it, it won some awards it was nominated for the art seidenbaum award her subsequent novels uh, also sold well they were called the passion dream book and now you see her so i think this the source material this novel original novel by whitney otto is really important um, to this movie. Um, uh, Amlin Entertainment optioned the novel after it was released. And the producers, Kathleen Kennedy, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Amlin co-founder Kathleen Kennedy brought on producers Sarah Pillsbury and Midge Sanford, who'd read the novel, and they really wanted to do it. And they persuaded Steven Spielberg to finance it. And uh, so there you go. That's that's the story of how it came to be. And uh, uh, actually, turns out American Quilt was one of the last films to be produced by Amblin before the company was absorbed into DreamWorks. Hmm. Okay. And uh, a little caveat here is... Um, if you pay attention to the film, there is a cameo role because this film is peppered 
with lots of leading ladies. Oh, Lordy. Let's just mention them right now, okay? Okay. The whole cast. I mean, this isn't even the whole cast, but and we don't have time to talk about all of them, but let me just mention the main, like the main cast, Winona Ryder, Anne Bancroft, Ellen Burstyn, Gene Simmons, Kate Nelligan, Alfrey Woodard, Maya Angelou, Kate Capshaw, Rip Darn, Adam Baldwin, Esther Rall, and about five million other actors. <laughs> so there you go. I, I mean, it's a cast of a million. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even uh, the big boss, Steven Spielberg, got his wife in on this film. Um, really? Yes. Uh, at the end of the film, and this is really not a spoiler, because you see the film and you're waiting until basically the end, which... Because Finn is a uh, a woman waiting for her wedding day as she writes her graduate thesis, we're waiting for the wedding day. And of course, who's going to show up before the wedding? Dear old mom. And uh, Steven Spielberg's wife, Kate Capshaw, plays uh, okay. the golden locked mother of Finn. And uh, of course, some of you may not uh, realize who Kate Capshaw was, but in the 80s, there was a really great movie starring Leah Thompson who was um, Marty McFly's mother in Back to the Future. Leah Thompson, of course, is a director these days, but she was in this film called Space Camp, and Kate Capshaw played the wizened woman astronaut who was tutoring these kids arriving at Space Camp. So that's uh, the last time I saw her up until this uh, little cameo in uh, How to Make an American Quilt. So, all right, Toppy, we are at about the halfway mark in the show. So we're going to step on over here where uh, Madame Gertie is uh, carving the pumpkins. uh, Because, you know, we're going to make some jack-o'-lanterns and uh, other spooky faces. All right, and I want some good and plenty. Oh, some good and plenty. All right. And uh, for your listening enjoyment, we have an interview with star of the film, Miss Alfrey Woodard, who... Uh, just in a year from this film would be in one of my favorite films, Star Trek First Contact. She's the, uh, well, the mad scientist, sort of the inventor's assistant, Lily. And uh, she is being interviewed by Dallas Morning News uh, host extraordinaire Miss Bobby Wyant. So uh, strap on your headphones and listen to this interview. You're playing this character, the daughter of Maya Angelou. And um, did you know her before? I met her um, twice before, but I I didn't know her at all. I met her really on extraordinary occasions. I met her at the inauguration in South Africa, and I met her again at um, a state dinner for Miss Mandela. So each time was very official uh, times, and, and I chatted with her a bit, and I never thought I'd be able to sit and really dish with her all day and all evening, so. It was good. What was it like, or what, what are the things that you two would talk about? Let's just say, occasionally, she would say something very profound that I would, I could use in terms of being uh, a woman in the middle of my life and having children and, and working, but mainly it was sort of funny, body things. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a whole other program, isn't it? <clears throat> Your character in the book uh, 
is she quite the same as she comes across on the screen? Um, I think so. I think so. Uh, of course, with uh, seven storylines, you don't get um, everybody's story completely on the screen. We did shoot a lot more. Um, so uh, what, what you see actually in the final cut um, are snippets of Mariana. We did shoot more of the story, and there's even more of the story in the book. But she is, uh, I think, down the line. My, hopefully, uh, what I'd like to do is um, I like to let the, the writer, whether it's the playwright, um, deal with the drama. So when I'm interpreting a character, I think most people think of getting through a day. So I, I, there's probably a spin. Although I do dramatic things, or there's, there's a bit of a, a spin in terms of lifting it to that person's sense of humor or just the ability to glide in a day. So some people might say that it, she's, uh, she's not as tragic as she seems in the book. But that's my interpretation of I don't think she is tragic. Maya is an actress, has acted, but has she ever acted in a film? I'm trying to remember. Yes, she was in Poetic Justice for John Singleton. Remember? All right. Yeah. All right. And I don't know about others. I'm sure she has because she's just been so many places and done so many things. Actually, you know, she, she actually went to the Swedish School of Cinema. She, yeah, she's, I don't know what she hasn't done. You know, she's just the most extraordinary woman, isn't she? She is. Just so extraordinary, and uh, uh, in, in every way, I mean, she, uh, her talents just range from, you know, political to the most sensitive kind of poetry. Well, she also played for me uh, blues songs that she's written that, that I think we're going to be hearing an album of blues songs soon. <laughs> What is left for her? It's good to see you again, Alfrey, and congratulations to you. It's just a beautiful film, and your participation in it is one of the beautiful performances oh, in this Bobby, picture. Thank you. How to Make an American Quilt. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. GJ usually finds um, an interviewer or something for this spot. DJ, we've used this interviewer before. <laughs> And she tickles me so much. Now, one of the things you got to know briefly is is that these seem to be uh, unedited. I don't believe this is how she uh, presented her material on TV after it was edited. But I think these are before edited. Anyways, she's a trip. What's her name? Do we know her name? Oh, yes. I can't remember. Bobby Wyant. And it's it's spelled a little different than you might think. There's some silent letters in there, but it's uh, B-O-B-B-I-E, Wyant, W-Y-A-G-N-T. So you can actually search her archives, because I do believe she's retired from media these days. But... Uh, Many of her most celebrated interviews on television for the Dallas Morning News can be found on YouTube. There you go. Anyways, I just wanted to plug her because I, you know, some of some of her, sometimes she just seems a little doofy, but <laughs> um, I like her more and more. So we should talk about, um, get right into the cast. Gigi, why don't you start with Winona? Alrighty. So, you know, this is like a, a great recipe for a soup. We've got lots of peppering here, but we can only manage to find enough time for the big three. So the 
biggest star on the marquee in this is Miss Winona Ryder. Because, you know, back in the 90s there, she was the, the hot young thing. I mean, uh, she played Finn, the lead in this film, uh, How to Make an American Quilt. Now, Winona Ryder was born just two days before Halloween. So she's got a birthday coming up here. And she was born in a farmhouse in rural Minnesota to parents of Russian and Romanian Jewish heritage. She was named after a nearby town. So she's not named after her aunt, her grandma. No, no, no. Just the nearest town probably would, you know, electricity. <laughs> Winona grew up in a ranch commune in Northern California. It didn't have modern conveniences at the time. There's no electricity. And her mother was a video producer. <laughs> Try that without electricity. Um, and her father was an author. Now, when Winona was seven, her mother began to manage an old movie theater in a nearby barn. Hmm, sounds familiar. And would screen movies all day. She allowed Winona to miss school to watch movies with her. So, you know, early education. Winona's first film was in 1986 with one of the Corys back in the 80s. Because, you know, there was two Corys, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. In 86, she did a film called Lucas with Corey Haim and, uh, well, Charlie Sheen. And this was directed by David Seltzer, which was uh, the future director of a film that I thoroughly enjoy with Tom Hanks and Sally Fields called Punchline, about a housewife who tries to... Uh, to make it on the uh, the comedy stage there. And uh, Winona was cast in 10, not one, two, three, four, or five, 10 double digits films in her first five years. Hot ticket here, including, of course, Beetlejuice. I'm not going to say it three times. That's bad luck. Mike With Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, and Mensa member Gina Davis. And uh, in 88, she also was in Heathers, which had Mr. Christian Slater and uh, 90210 future actress Shannon Doherty, Heathers. Uh, and then in 1990, she uh, she met a future beau for a time, Mr. Ed, or, uh, in Edward Scissorhands. She acted with Johnny Depp. That introduced her to the world of Tim Burton, and she did several uh, projects with him. 1990, she also was in Mermaids with not only Cher, the legend herself, but Mr. Bob Hoskins, as well as up-and-coming child star then, Christina Ricci, before she was Wednesday Adams for a time. Now, How to Make an American Quilt was Winona Ryder's 16th film. So, you know, she's got a few pages in her book there. And uh, her film just before this was one of another of my favorites. Toppy and I have talked about this behind the curtain. It's one of uh, rare remakes that's actually pretty darn good. Little Women in 95. It's uh, what you might call a postcard film, which How to Make an American Quill is kind of like that. It shows uh, a region of California that uh, you just want to stop by after you watch this. And uh, Little Women in 95 starred Susan Sarandon, and it also introduced us to the likes of uh, MTV star Claire Danes, and then uh, Interview with a Vampire star Kirsten Dunst, 
And uh, her film, Winona's film after this was called Boys. Now, this this is kind of a sleeper. It wasn't that great a hit. Had Luke Haas, which was a young star who some of you may recognize from Mars Attacks and uh, with Jack Nicholson. Now, uh, this movie, Boys, was about a girl with an identity crisis who escapes her reality when discovered after a horse riding accident by a boys' school student. uh, Winona Ryder would appear in seven films over the next five years, including Alien Resurrection. (laughs) Oh, please. Let's forget that. Let's forget that one. Because Winona is a self-proclaimed huge fan of Sigourney Weaver. and Oh, is that why? Yes. Okay, I feel better about it. I mean, I'm jealous. I'd love to have a cup of coffee with Sigourney Weaver. Well, I mean, I'd fish through the trash to probably get her cup. Um, And Girl Interrupted also came out in 97. Now, that's another gem topic. That would be worth a future episode because Winona was cast along with up-and-coming actress Angelina Jolie and Whoopi Goldberg. This is uh, an institution with troubled young women. And in that film, Whoopi Goldberg gets to play a nurse. Uh, tremendous film. Now, in more recent yeah. years... Yes? Oh, I was just, just going to agree. Um, Girl Interrupted. Uh, fantastic movie. Uh, in more recent years, Winona Ryder has appeared in all four, so far, because there is a fifth season coming, of Netflix's Stranger Things. And And let's hope it's the final season (laughs) because they have run out of material. No, I've enjoyed everything, but it's, it's time. Let's, let's have the final season. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, to date, Winona Ryder has a total of 69 acting credits. So a pretty, pretty good for someone of her age. I, I was shocked to learn that she's only a few years older than myself, which I don't know. (laughs) Put well, things into perspective, but I'm hey. not sure what that means. But <laughs> no. no, 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 it's fine. Uh, let's talk about Alan Burstyn, one of the senior members of the cast, and she played High, short for Hyacinth. She was born in Detroit, began acting on TV in the 60s. Uh, she graduated from Detroit's Cass Technical High School. And she went to Texas afterwards to model and then on to New York as a showgirl on the Jackie Gleason show. That was 1952. Oh, my God. I'd give anything for a clip of Ellen Burstyn as a showgirl in 1952. (laughs) Uh, From there, it was on to Montreal as a nightclub dancer. And then, by the way, I guess, you know, I'm not sure if any movies featured her singing and dancing and stuff, but. You know, that's her background. But uh, then came Broadway Mm -hmm. in 1957, and she made her debut in Fair Game. And by 63, uh, she was appearing on TV in television shows like The Doctors in 63. Her first film role was in a supporting role in a movie called For Those Who Think Young. That was 1964 with, get this, Paul Lind, Bob Denver, and Tina Louise. Oh, Who doesn't want to see that movie? Because, <laughs> you know, anyways. Uh, but her first significant 
Hollywood notice was a, uh, a year uh, was uh, uh, that same year. And it was a, for a role she did in Goodbye Charlie, an American comedy film. But her big break, her next big break, and it was big, was when she was cast as the female lead in the last picture show. That was 1971. Hmm. Peter Bogdanovich directed that, and it's considered one of the all-time greats. Uh, uh, for this role, uh, she did receive nominations for the Golden Globe and, a, and a Golden Globe and Academy Award. Next, she co-starred with Jack Nicholson in The King of Marvin Gardens. That was 72. She gave a chilling performance. Then, oh my goodness, who can forget her role as the mom in The Exorcist in 73? Mm. Uh, she was again nominated for that role uh, for the Golden Globe and a Kennedy Award in 74. Uh, Martin Scorsese did a movie called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Later on, it became a TV series with Linda Lavin. But we don't want to talk about that. The movie is good. <laughs> I'm not sure about the sitcom. <laughs> Guess my grits. Anyways, uh, pfft, uh, she won uh, an Oscar and uh, the BAFTA Award as Best Actress for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Um, I that same year. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I remember Alice doesn't live here anymore. Who cannot remember that after you see Chris Christopherson in that state? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, he was in his prime. Uh, look good. In the, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, in 78, uh, she uh, 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 was in a... Um, I'm sorry, 74. Let's go back to 74. She she was on Broadway once again for a play called Same Time Next Year. She won a Tony Award. How incredible is that? And in 78, she won praise again and award nominations for her performances in the film version of Same Time Next Year. And she was opposite Alan Alda in that. What a great movie that was. I've never seen the play, but um, but it's amazing. Uh, she, she got uh, into some TV movies and she got Emmy nominations. She did uh, her own television show. God, Jesus, I don't remember this. It was called The Ellen Burstyn Show. Can anyone tell me anything about it, chat room? <laughs> the Ellen Burstyn Show in 86. What the hell? I never knew. Uh, she uh, continued doing TV movies uh, through the 1990s. Uh, she was also in uh, supporting roles in movies like The Cemetery Club, How to and uh, and 93, and then of course the movie we're talking about tonight, How to Make an American Quilt. She was in The Babysitters Club. She was in The Spitfire Girl, a uh, grill. <laughs> And uh, she was uh, the first woman president, get this, first woman president of Actors' Equity. How about that? Uh, How to Make an American Quilt was her 43rd movie. Uh, more recently, you would have seen uh, Ellen Burstyn in the Showtime series, 
the first lady is Sarah Roosevelt, and uh, to the state person has 162, I say again, 162 acting credits. Oh, boy. I'm waiting for that book to come out. Yeah. Uh, so. We, Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Someone's put in an, an ivory soap, a, a snow, is that her? Is that why that's in there? I believe so. I just typed in her name, and that's one of the things that came up. So I think that is a young Ellen Burstyn. Yay. And of course, Toppy's talking about our Discord chat room. Now, you can, of course, participate in it yourself if you go to matinemanusha.com and click on that little symbol that looks like a game controller. It says Discord. You know, because that's how people interact these days. The, the kids, they play their games and they get in a chat room and talk to each other. You can put pictures in there, too. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Yeah. And please do. We do this every first and third Friday night at 9 p.m. And uh, you can participate. You can get in here. You can get in the chat room and you can talk to us and you can post pictures. And uh, don't forget, you can watch our fabulous faces on youtube anyways oh and by the way this is my attempt at the grunge look which was so popular in the 90s wow i'm I'm wearing a t-shirt and then i I have a button-down shirt over it so it's kind of like the early 80s where they had the mullet where it was party in the back and business in the front a little dress up dress down i've got a button down and a t-shirt on at the same time (laughs) Okay, very good, DJ. I'm uh, wearing the old man who's freezing and has a knit cap. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a lifetime movie topic. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the nominations to come out. There you go. Why'd you tell us about Alfred Wooder? Oh, because you know, we had to pick someone else to talk about and it was it was really pressing, folks. I, I couldn't tell you the other only other reason why I picked Alfred Woodard is because this is at the beginning of her career. I mean, not the very beginning, but when she was starting to be getting her most notable roles. Now, no, you you picked her because she was in a Star Trek movie. There's <laughs> always a Star Trek connection. Oh, don't make me go holiday hard on you. And you can ask yeah. me about that. So, <laughs> Alfre Woodard played Mariana, who was Maya Angelou's uh, daughter in the film How to Make an American Quilt. She'd traveled over to Gay Paris, so she'd, you know, seen a little bit of life in the romance. Now, Alfre Woodard was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so America's heartland. And her first role was in the PBS movie in 1978, The Trial of the Moak. And this was about West Point's first black candidate, or sorry, black cadet graduate. Now, also in 78, Woodard would be cast in a supporting role in Remember My Name, which was a film with Anthony Perkins, Jeff Goldblum, and Geraldine Chaplin. And this was about a female ex-con who stalks a married construction worker to his death because, you know, it's 78. What else do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so as of September 13th of 2003, so after uh, How to Make an American Quilt came out, Alfre Woodard held the record of being the most honored African-American actress in primetime Emmy Award history until her win as Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama Series 
for The Practice, a television series in 97. She was tied with Cicely Tyson at the three-time, or sorry, at three Primetime Emmy Awards apiece at that point. Now, Alfre Woodard won her first Primetime Emmy Award in 84 as Outstanding Supporting Actress in Drama Series for a three-episode guest on Hill Street Blues in 81 as the mother of a young boy accidentally killed by a police officer. Now, her second Primetime Emmy Award came in 86 as Outstanding Guest Performer in a Drama Series, according a, a category which has been split into both male and female equivalents today. Then uh, this was for the pilot episode of L.A. Law in 86. She played a woman dying of leukemia who claims to have been a victim of gang rape. Now, in 97, so a couple... Jeez, wow. Yeah. So okay, let's, uh, that's a heavy, heavy TV movie. That's thing. a lot of layers there. Um, now, in 97, so just a couple of years after How to Make an American Quilt, Alfrey Woodard won her third primetime Emmy Award for Miss Evers Boys. And it was, again, stiff competitions from the likes of Meryl Streep, Glenn Close, and Stockard Channing at the time. Now, in more recent years, Woodard has starred in the Netflix series Luke Cage. Uh, from 2016 until 2018, it ran for 23 episodes. And in 2022, she has a, a supporting role in BET's historical fiction miniseries called The Porter. And this is about the first Black Railway Workers Union. And to date, Alfre Woodard has 129 acting credits. So she and yeah, DJ, I gotta say, mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know. In, in my mind, she has such a well-rounded output uh, of 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 uh, projects she's chosen to engage and she's not afraid to do science fiction she's not afraid to do tv or a netflix series and she just seems to be looking for those roles and she still seems to be a really hungry actress mm -hmm. um so i really really Admirer, and we've got a quote from her. Why don't you read it? This is a quote from Alfred Woodard. Yes, so I come from a full house of storytellers. If they wanted to simply tell you about someone pouring the tea, it would take about 10 minutes. They would act out all the parts. I had to kind of jump in there because, as the youngest, if I wanted to get in an opinion, I had to yell and jump and really participate. In addition to participating, I was also observing. I think an actor really has to be an observant person, not necessarily remembering the facts, not observing that way. Interesting. Well, Gigi, I get to tell you, this was a wonderful movie. I totally recommend it. I'm so happy I saw it. I'm so happy you recommended it. Uh, where did where did you catch uh, you you told the story mm -hmm. that it was uh, shown when you were in school mm -hmm. and uh, was was our recent review like the second time you saw it? Um, I've probably only seen it a handful of times. You know, this is this is a film that you you don't have to be in a mood necessarily to see it, but it, it puts you uh, in a in a good mood. Once you've seen it, because you've you've been filled with all these wonderful stories, it also kind of makes you want to uh, pay more attention to the members of your family because you know 
um, the older folks in our lives, they've got stories beyond their years. But yes, um, I've only seen this a handful of times, and the first time that I saw, I recorded it off of television, and I brought it to my classroom. Now, um, oh, you were the one. Yes, I'm the culprit. I started it. Now, come to find out, this does have a PG-13 rating. Now, oops. Um, that that's not necessarily a problem because, in theory, if you're a senior in high school, you should be close to 16, if not a little older. Well, yeah, but... it acknowledges the existence of that people have sex. That's about as PG-13 as it gets. And I did grow up in quite a rural conservative school. It wasn't a religious school, but I'm sure that if my teacher had had to get approval for this to be shown in her <laughs> classroom, it might okay. not have happened. Okay, now I get you. Now uh, I get you. But... This was sort of undercover. This was a little, like, <laughs> maybe not approved by the principal. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can't say that uh, I, you know, that my teacher didn't give me back my copy. I think it was probably more my own youthful oversight that maybe I didn't ask for it back, or maybe I did get it back and I just forgot. But I would like to think that uh, given the cast and the nature of this being a novel that was turned into a movie, not only that, but also a movie starring a celebrated author, Maya Angelou, that this movie might have appealed to someone of the ilk of my English teacher. So... Okay. I, li- I like to think she like enjoyed it. Well, that, le- that leads me want to, to want to ask DJ mm-hmm. is what possessed you? I mean, okay, you had you thought I'm going to bring in a movie, but why did you choose this movie? And because it's improbable. I mean, it's not like it's uh, you know, uh, I don't know, a super action movie that everyone <laughs> would love. What made you? Why? Why this movie? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I um, like Alfre Woodard in her quote, she was the youngest in her family, and I grew up with everyone being older, so I was always a little different. I think that this also appealed to me at that time, because if you think about when you are in that time frame of your education, when you're a senior in high school, and you're uh, getting ready to go out into the world, possibly to college and move away from home, you're at a crossroads. And so this character in How to Make an American Quilt, Finn, she's rather indecisive. As as anyone who pays attention to the story as you watch this film, she's written several master's theses, and her family is getting a little annoyed with her having to start over because they thought what she wrote the last time was pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I felt that this is probably appropriate for someone in high school because it is a crossroads. She's got to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of her life. Does she get married to this man that she's living with? And does she finish her thesis and actually get her degree and make something of her life? And okay. So she, she is, of course, also taking notes from all of the women who are sharing their stories because uh, maybe things would have turned out differently for them if they paid more attention. 
Okay, interesting. Do, just offhand, do you, do you remember the conversation you had with this teacher when you said, <laughs> "Here's the movie I want to show"? And I mean, was there is there anything there you can recall? I think I remember bringing this in because, again, it was um, the week before finals, and so you had a choice. You could either study in class because it was pretty much study hall. Um, or some of us would sit over in the corner here with the television set that they, you know, brought in from the AV room or whatever, and you can choose to watch a film, but it has to be educational. So it had to be literature based. So I think I remember bringing this in and saying, oh my goodness, I think you'll like this. I recorded it off a TV. It's got Winona Ryder and Maya Angelou is in it. So it's <laughs> that was the selling point. <laughs> Angelo, good job, DJ. Good job. So oh, that's funny. But it this this is for those of you who have not caught this. This is a very much postcard film because you see this beautiful area that uh, the grandmother's house is in. Oh yeah, and there's all these wonderful memories of these young women growing up and. They're practically in sepia tone hues when they're uh, the, the past okay. sequences. Yeah. Yes, yes, and you do get some eye candy. There's an upcoming actor. Oh, good lord, he was handsome. He was in a Tom Hanks film called That Thing You Do with Liv Tyler, and I'm I'm forgetting the young man's name in it, but me too. Tall, dark, and handsome, and um, shirtless because they were at the swimming pool. Yeah, he was always shirtless. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, I I'm so thankful I saw this. It was so um loaded with stuff and this movie did not play dumb and it did not have a lot of um explanation it just launched into it and you had to figure it out as you went along because it wasn't expected it would it would go from modern times to a past reflection without any warning and and you had you had to pay attention because uh, you you know there were a lot of characters and and the interrelationships between the characters were complex and it did not it did not try to baby you and explain things it just went on and and in other words it was a very intelligent movie and very well made and it was all wrapped up in that package that these were her grandmother's friends and they just so happened to be people who spend their time together in a quilting beast so each of their life stories is a piece of this quilt which coincidentally or maybe ironically is their gift they're making this as the wedding quilt for the bride-to-be the the leading lady finn played by yeah. the writer so Right. So remember, Winona has a fiance and she's over at her relative's house with all these ladies because her fiance is is renovating the home and she just can't write. And so she says, oh, God, I, I can't write. I've got to do this. I've got a deadline. I'm, I'm going to go over and write, you know, at, at grandma's house. And and what happens while well, she's there? Well, she she meets someone else, mm-hmm. a really handsome devil. And uh, and by the time the movie ends, you know, 
after hearing all the stories of her relatives and friends and how they got through life and all of their romantic entanglements, she, she kind of is ready to make a decision about, is she going to, is she going to, you know, fall for this miraculous lover lover boy or is she gonna go with her best friend who is her fiance so i mean the man's got skills he's a carpenter yeah 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 and he's a bald one anyways no uh we were we gotta wrap it up there's so much to say about this movie and we can't possibly get into it all it it's just i heavily recommend it oh absolutely and and sadly of course um this is not available on streaming, so you might have to track it down. Now, uh, a, a, a uh, quietly kept secret is those um, gently used places, the thrift stores, they have movies there too. So do a little digging because you might find yourself a copy. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, folks, uh, Billy, uh, DJ Subby in the chat room, uh, and DJ, they are experts and tracking down tracking down these things to get an original copy i've never seen anything like it folks it's like they have a superpower and that's one of them yeah <laughs> well toppy we have walked out here to the lobby and uh, this is a part of the show we call our snack tray because it's uh it's what's in your pockets it's what's left over when you're done and uh, we're going to tell some uh, people well we're going to tell our listeners what else they might enjoy if uh, how to make an American quilt uh, floated their boat, so I'll yeah, talk. what do you recommend? What uh, what what does inspired you to to pick something that was uh, like this movie? Okay, so this is a film from just a year later, nineteen ninety six, mm. and uh, it's actually directed by um, one of your favorite ladies, there, Miss Barbara Streisand. Ooh. And stars Jeff Bridges. Now, the story behind this is um, it's a comedy, it's drama, romance. A shy middle-aged professor enters into a romantic but non-physical relationship with an unlucky in-love colleague. I'm going to recommend, if you like a how, how to Make an American Quilt or things like it, that you watch The Mirror Has Two Faces from 1996. Can we say this may be the last thing that we know of that Barbara Streisand appeared in a movie. Hmm. Well, she did do something a few years ago and it's probably been more like 10 now, I think called road trip where she, oh. she plays a mom, but, um, you know, certainly, uh, a character of that sort. This is okay. probably the last time she did that. Okay. Well, I'm going to suggest if you liked how to make an American quilt, you're going to love a movie called The Joy Luck Club. It was made in 1993. It's an American drama film about four older women, all Chinese immigrants living in San Francisco, who meet regularly to play mahjong, eat, and tell their stories to their adult Chinese American daughters who are forced to be there with them. <laughs> And uh, it reveals uh, the hidden pasts of the older women and their daughters and how their lives are shaped by the clash of Chinese and American cultures as they strive 
to understand their family bonds and one another. And very much like How to Make an American Quilt, it's women telling stories of their past. So if you like that, you're going to love 1993's The Joy Luck Club, based on the 1989 novel of the same name by Amy Tan. Hmm, And you know, I have seen that film, and I will just say that it's probably one of the only films I've seen Andrew McCarthy in that's a serious role. I don't know. Maybe. I don't don't know that name. He was, well, Andrew McCarthy was the hot ticket in the 80s. He was in Mannequin, and he was in, like, St. Elmo's Fire. (laughs) Okay, you don't want to say hot ticket and then say (laughs) Sorry, that's, no, that doesn't work. And he was in uh, that that really terrible flop that had a sequel, um, Weekend at Bernie's. But that's, ah. this was uh, earlier, well, not really earlier, but anyways, 93, Joy Luck Club. All right. So, Toppy, we're out here in the lobby, and uh, many things have gone on here, burlesque shows, magicians. Oh, a whole mess of things. Yeah. But we got a bag of coins, right? Yes, sir. Could you hand that to me? Sure. Okay, we're going to find out what's coming up next. and uh, uh, Put it in that gumball. Yeah, and if you if you want to give a, uh, a, sh- a stab at it, ah, a Halloween joke, uh, we, you can set it up here. So we're going to go ahead and find out what's next. Ooh, okay, we'll go ahead and open up that capsule there. I'll help you out here. Oh, God, I love that sound effect. <laughs> All right. Next time on that name of this show, it's a 2021 American drama written, directed, and produced by Todd Stevens. He wrote that um, and produced an autobiographical film of coming out. It's called The Edge of 17 and 98. Our next selection is set in the small town of Sandusky, Ohio, where an openly gay and flamboyant former hairdresser and German expatriate played by Udo Kier reluctantly takes a job across town to style a dead woman's hair. That's the plot. (laughs) You're going to love it. And it's called Swan Song. And it stars Udo Kier, Jennifer Coolidge, and Linda Evans. What? What you say? Linda Evans? Yes! Linda Evans from TV's Big Valley and Dynasty. Yes, that Linda Evans. So you're not going to want to miss that. Oh, and we're doing that because the star of the film, Udo Kier, is in October, baby. As was my uh, English teacher, Miss Butler. So uh, again, yeah. So again, we uh, we dedicate tonight's show to educators and to literature and uh, I want you to, to invite you to come back here to the marionette on Friday, October 21st, because we do this the first and what? The third Friday of each month. At what time, Toppy? Well, 9 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what did that uh, that classy old gal on the radio say when they wanted to say goodnight? Oh, she said goodnight, Gracie. Class is dismissed.
Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univospods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. Joe's gone wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The smell cast by Tommy Smelly. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me. Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.